Yeah. Oh, so good to be here this morning, just experience the presence of God and your presence as well. We're in the fifth installment of our Dark Horse series. It lasts one more week, and I hope you'll invite your friends next week. It's going to be really, really special. Man, God's been so good to our church. I'm just reveling in that today. I get to do this four times. I get to do this. I don't got to do this. I get to do this four times. It's such a blessing. Sometimes people are like, I don't know how you do it. I'm so sorry. And it's like, don't be sorry for me. I get to preach the word to a growing church. You know how many pastors would like die to do that? And uh, to somewhat exciting people and excitable people. Uh, It's really, I was thinking about this way back in August when I was going to speak this installment, which is the part where it said in frenzied excitement, it eats up the ground. It can't stand still when the trumpet sounds. I'm like, I just don't want to preach this on Sunday morning, especially the 915 service. And really to talk about excitement um, is almost like, you know, uh, heretical in the church and like it's the power of positive thinking or something crazy like that. And I just, I want to preach about being positive today. I want to preach about joy. I want to preach about enthusiasm. Now, I know we've got all kinds of reasons to commiserate about the misery going on in the world, but I just feel like God's called us to a higher calling and to a place that we don't have to live out the fruits of the flesh. We've got the fruits of the Spirit, but I don't think you just wake up, cross your fingers, and hope for the best every day, and that's how you show up in life. I think it takes the discipline of a disciple to get to that place. So we're, we've been reading a passage of Scripture where God is talking to Job and just about the physique and the, the psyche of the horse. And I've just found this to be a powerful passage in just showing me through the horse how I'm to live. If the glory of the horse is this strong and powerful, how much more the glory of mankind, the crown of his creation, created in his image to bear out uh, his image to the world. This is in Job 39, starting at verse 19. Do you give the horse its strength? Anybody need strength today? Or clothe its neck with a flowing mane. How many of you wish you had a flowing mane? I see Tom Ursh down here. He wishes he had a flowing mane. Those were the good old days, Tom. Do you make it leap like a locust, striking terror with its proud snorting? We've been trying to strike terror in the enemy rather than him doing that to us. Us waking up and saying, wait, no, you are sent running and packing because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And sin might be great, but Jesus is greater. Your shame might be great, but Jesus is stronger than that. We believe in the overcoming power of God. It paws fiercely rejoicing in its strength and charges into the fray this horse does. It laughs at fear, afraid of nothing. It does not shy away from the sword. And that's not to make light of fear. I think it just gets to a point like Ryan shared. It starts out very skittish, very afraid, and it needs to be conditioned and taught how to be fearless in the face of fear. How to do things afraid. And I think when you go to the next passage where we talk about in frenzied excitement, it eats up the ground, it can't stand still when the trumpet sounds. I think you have to condition and train your heart to be excited as much as you do to condition your heart to be unafraid. And that's what we're going to talk about today. The title of the message is Frenzied Excitement. Aren't you glad you came today? Now, I was thinking, man, it's just... 
I might have to create the wave and then surf on the wave I create because there may not be a whole lot of excitement or energy or enthusiasm coming at me. But if you could help me out today, that would be great. Or this is going to be really, really awkward the next 20 minutes or so. I remember one of my first experiences um, on a horse, riding a horse by myself, was when I came to Lowell. And there's all kinds of horse farms around here. And one is Triple F with Lyle Fredrickson. And 13 years ago, he invited me over to ride a horse. And I didn't know what kind of horse it was, but he said, this is a barrel horse. It's been trained a certain way. And so when we get in the arena, there's a barrel over there. This thing's going to want to go after that thing, and and it's going to tear around that thing. And I'm like, sounds good. I love to barrel um, like the next guy. And so... He said, and it's going to be just jumping in the air and just pawing at the ground. It might buck a little bit, but the minute you let off the bit, it's going to go. And it's going to just shoot out like a bat out of you know where, H-E double hockey sticks, and go around that barrel. And I remember what he said to me, you just need to let her go and lean with her and show around that barrel, and then you better hold on because it'll feel like you've been shot out of a cannon. And I'm like, how? It was true. I went around and I was tipping this way and she came around and I felt like this energy that you do not feel from anything other than an engine or electricity that usually creates that kind of energy. And now I get where horsepower was used as some sort of a metric to, to, to show people that's how powerful this is, three horses. And I remember after that, we went out in the open field and said, in the open field, this, this baby, she loves to run. And so she, the minute we get through that fence, she's going to see the open field and she's going to run and you're going to have to hold her back. And the frenzied excitement under me was just, just going all over the place. And I'm like, and I just let go. And this horse ran and ran and ran. And I didn't know, a lot of times you think of a horse that like just, you know, like hot lead and cold feet and sort of, I don't know if you know what that movie is, but it's like, just like that's painful to my sciatic nerve just to watch but I didn't know the faster a horse runs the smoother it is now it makes sense like you've gotten into your stride and it was the closest I've ever felt to what it might feel like to walk on water because it literally felt like is this horse touching the earth because I'm just floating on top of it like secretariat you know it's just awesome and then it was like, how do I stop her? You know, I had to pull back. It was so powerful. Frenzied excitement eats up the ground, can't stand still when the trumpet sounds. A little rapping going on for God in this passage. Remember when this text first jumped out at me, and uh, it's really foreign to me on a lot of days, this feeling, and probably a lot of you here, but I want this attitude to characterize me as a husband and a father and a friend and a leader and a pastor. I, I really do. I want less depression and I want more elation. But I don't think it just happens. I think this is something that is a proactive thing rather than a reactive thing. I wrote in my devotional of the day, I read about this frenzied excitement on this particular thing, August 10th. Lately, I've been waking up with a bit more anticipation, but I'm sad to say it's not been that way as a norm for the better part of my life. So many days I roll out of bed, melancholy and morose in a sleepy stupor of stagnation. 
And when I read this instinct of the horse, I think about attacking life, where life doesn't happen to me, I happen to life. The psalmist said it this way, I wake up the dawn with songs of praise. The dawn doesn't wake me up, I wake up the dawn. I love being a part of exciting things, but I long to be excited and exciting myself. To not wait for something exciting to occur in order to be excited, but to bring that to life, to show up fired up, not to simply endure the day, but to enjoy the day. The term frenzied excitement stirs my blood. I think of a small child on Christmas morning giggling with clenched jaw, trying to contain the joy that's intoxicating them, ready to blow like a volcano. This is the fiery life we're talking about here, a life that explodes off the blocks and hits the ground running. And I know every day can't be like this, but this is the posture I'd like to say characterizes me as I continue to mature. And I've been thinking about this phrase a lot the last few months, and to gain mastery over my emotions by the power of God. I want to eat up the day and attack it with frenzied excitement. And I think about this, it's an invitation of God into being more childlike. Because we typically think of children being this way. And maybe that's why he says, you're not going to see the kingdom of heaven unless you have faith of a child. Like you have the heart of a child. And he's pulling us into this, not just the faith of a child, but the joy of a child. I see this joy in my boys. There's this antsy anticipation. They get so like into a moment, they don't want to miss a minute. Sometimes they just pee their pants right there in the spot because they don't want to take the time to go to the bathroom to miss the moment. You know, I do that a couple times a year, but they do it all the time, you know? Now, I've trained myself out of that, but they're so into a moment, they, they forget about, oh, yes, this involuntary thing happens to them, and we have to change their pants because they're in the moment. And I, I don't mean to be crass or anything, but in some ways, I'm so jealous that they are so into something and so present with something, not so aloof and so preoccupied that they are so into it that they sort of forget about their bodily functions. I mean, that's how powerful it is for a child. And I don't think it's stupid to want something of that. I know there's like some stigma with joy and optimism and positivity in our world and happiness, but man, I want that in my life. I was thinking about a frenzied excitement experience and I was going through the Rolodex memories in my mind that may, I may not have shared with you, but I remember... In my sophomore year, my dad would take my brother and I to basketball games at Oswego State College, the Oswego State Lakers, they were. And uh, at halftime, they were going to have tickets they handed out, and there, there was this raffle to, um, you know, to actually win something at halftime. So I remember we got our ticket, and, uh, and the ticket came up, and it was like 3-1, and it's the next four that are always killer when you're at something with over a 1,000 people. I'm like, the first two, I'm like, 3-1, I got this! And it's like, no, there's the 2-2, two, 6-8 two, came up, and I won. And I've never won before or since one of those things. Anybody ever won like a raffle here? Yeah, there's several of you have. It's an exciting moment. Then we get down to the court, and they roll out what the prize is if we shoot the baskets it's a brand new, now this is brand new 1989 Geo Spectrum. Yeah. yeah. Anybody own this car? They were just rolling this out at Chevy. They've since, you know, stopped these plants from existing and making Geos. But this thing rolled out. I'm like a 16-year-old kid with a permit growing up in a very impoverished home. 
with like a 1979 paneled Chevy van with like a rebuilt engine that had, I, I'm not going to stop there, but it had some other things and I think it was four barrel. Because when we went up Perry Hill, it was really loud. And I'm like, I could win that bad boy. But in 10 seconds, you had to shoot a foul shot, a layup, and a three-pointer. And the first two went in front of me, and they didn't get it. And the next picture shows you what I looked like when I was a sophomore in high school, about 125 pounds dripping wet in my birthday suit. Is that kid right there. And I got out there, and the strategy was hit the foul shot, put in the layup, circle around, and with a second left if you can put in the three-pointer. And I hit the foul shot, hit the layup, rounded around to the top, shot the thing, and it was going straight on, hit the base of the rim and bounced out, and I didn't get the geo spectrum. That's not funny at all. (laughs) But that was one of the best days of my life, I'm telling you. I just, that anticipation, that joy, it was just coursing through my veins. You ever had those kinds of experiences? You remember that frenzied excitement where you eat up the ground? I know it kind of seems pie in the sky and in like a fool's dream. Like there's no way I could live with frenzied excitement in this sort of smash mouth, breakneck, cutthroat culture that we live in. And I want to be careful that to, I'm not pretending that this excited life is easy because it takes deliberate and disciplined approach for sure. But that's part of being a disciple, is discipline. To to let this mind be in you or this mindset be in you that was in Christ Jesus. To set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth, right? To to renew your mind. These are verses in the Bible that are just so critical, it just doesn't happen. And I don't look around me and see a lot of excited or exciting people. A lot of people just kind of dreading the day before they even hit the ground in the morning and they're dead on arrival. Do you ever feel like you're dead on arrival to a day? I do. And I think most people are just miserable and cynical and critical if they're just left to their own devices devices, and their own natural impulses of functioning in the flesh that day. At least I am. And I think like fear, you've got to condition yourself to be filled with enthusiasm. Uh, Just this last Tuesday, I woke up in the morning and it was about six o'clock in the morning. It was still dark out and I had something come into my mind. And most people, I think, have a misconception of me that I'm really passionate and really upbeat and incredibly optimistic and uh, incredibly happy and joyful and life-giving all the time. I have to actually condition myself to get in that mood or attitude in the morning. Sorry to break the news to you. I'm human. I get mad at people. I get mad at myself. I have intruding thoughts. I have debilitating emotions. I have to press through all those things to get to where I want to be because I just don't get to the place where I want to be because I just pray that it happens tomorrow. And so I woke up and this one line, very simple, came into my mind. Today I want to be thankful, joyful, and hopeful. In that order, I want to just think about some things I can be thankful for, so maybe that'll produce an emotion of joy that could give off and emanate sort of an aura of hopefulness to the people around me today. 
just thinking about a couple thankful things might make me joyful and give off an aura of hope to the world around me. I think this is important for the culture of my marriage, the culture of my family, the culture of this church, the culture of anybody that you're leading around you every day. In the verse, there's a verse in the Bible that says this, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. It's almost self-fulfilled prophecy. And to me, this verse is just killer. It's awesome because it literally says that your thought process determines your actions or even your identity that day. That's who you are that day is what you think. You are what you eat, not in this verse. You are what you think. And depending on what you're preaching to yourself, because you're all preachers in here and you're preaching something to yourself or at least have the opportunity to every morning, whatever you're preaching to yourself, you're training your brain and centering your heart so that your perspectives actually influence your perception. That's what this verse is talking about. My perception influences my perspective and influences my perception. It means I actually begin to see what I've chosen to believe as opposed to believing what I see. I, I love this because to me, this is the, the, the apex of, and, the, and to me, the pinnacle of being human is that you can change your mind. Like you don't have to obey your first thoughts or feelings or instincts. You can tell yourself, think again. In the morning when you have a wrong thought, or a wrong feeling, or a wrong instinct, you can just stop yourself and say, think again, think, think again, think again, think this thought, think this thought, and it can change and determine who you are and what you do that day. Paul said it like this, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, he said, I've, I've got to, and we've got to take captive our every thought and make it obedient to Christ. So the thought comes, you capture it, and then you bring it under submission to the lordship of his heart and his emotion and his mindset. That's, that's the ability that we have as believers. And I want that. And we all have 24 hours in our day and it's amazing to me that some people sort of gut it out and some people eat it up. Some people like coming to their day and it's resignation and other people come into the day with anticipation. And I'm like, some people can experience similar heartache and heartbreak and, and the sorrow of life and the shadow of death and they emerge some bitter and some better out of the same thing. And I think a lot of it has to do with how we do soul care and how we talk to our soul and preach to ourselves. Amen. So critical. Disciples do this. They discipline themselves to set their affections and to renew their mind. They do. Paul even said, speaking to ourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in our hearts to the Lord, they would literally just speak to themselves in hymns and, and, and spiritual songs to, to arouse the spirit of Christ in them and the melody of the Lord rather than the melody of the flesh inside of them. Set your affections. Because when you do that, you set your actions. I've already said this, but perspective leads to perception, leads to posture. Another way of saying it is your belief causes your, your, how you behold to change how you behave or what you become. This is a powerful thing about affections and actions. 
I have never used a Michigan illustration, but I'm going to use one. I've never before, and I may never again, but I saw on ESPN that Jim Harbaugh, with his team, they're doing drills in they're out there and they're doing these drills and they're sweating, and they're doing suicides and they're training hard in the middle of training. Maybe you don't know this. He yells out, who's got it better than us? And they all chant, no one. Who's got it better than us? No one. I'm, let's try this in this place. I'm going to say that. You got to say it back to me. Who's got it better than us? No one. Twice as loud. Who's got it better than us? No one. No one. Why do you do something like that? Because you're setting your mind, you're setting your emotions, you're setting your affections. You, you want your actions to respond. And this isn't the power of positive thinking. This is the power of the ability we've been given by God to change our mind. Get a mindset and get some altitude so that we can change our attitude. God, I want to see what you see, to feel what you feel today. I know what I see. I know what I feel. Give me some altitude so that I can see and feel what you do. I, I call this verse in frenzied excitement, he eats up the ground. The way that I think about it is I got to heat it up if I'm going to eat it up. If I'm going to eat up the day, I got to, in the beginning of the day, heat up my heart. So whatever you see in me is me early in the morning heating it up. I heat it up. And sometimes it takes a long time to heat up, but I stay as long as it takes to heat it up so that I can eat it up. Because I don't get today back. I don't get this moment back. There might be somebody here that comes to church one time and that's one shot. Don't miss your chance to blow. This opportunity comes once in a lifetime, yo. Right? You got to lose yourself in the movement the moment you own it. You better never let it go. You got to look in the mirror and say to yourself, heat it up, buddy. I did it this morning, six in the morning. It's game time. It's game time, baby. It's game time. I'm not in sports anymore, but I'm still in the game. And there's a lot at stake. And I don't care about the Lions or Ohio State or Michigan or Michigan State or your favorite race car driver. We're talking about what, what is life and death, the souls of mankind hovering in these plastic seats today. Yeah. I got to heat it up for that. I got to heat it up for my wife. <laughs> I'm all about that. But she's got to heat it up for me too or it doesn't work very well. So we are both trying to keep it heated. And heat it up for my kids. You got to heat it up for your business. You got to heat it up for the employees underneath you. Because we're not just vision casters, we're culture casters. Amen. This is what I'm talking about. You, you can have all the vision in the world, but if you don't got the culture, you don't got the emotion, you don't got the psychology, you ain't got jack squat. Amen. I'm about to say another word. <laughs> But the Spirit stopped me in his strength. Jason was strong, but Jesus is stronger. Amen. Amen. Woo! We used to say, I mean, I was in athletics, and we just, before we hit the field in soccer, it was just like, you got to pay the price to pursue your passion. And we would chant that over and over again, man. Got to leave it on the field, man. This is our game. You beat them to the ball. That's our ball. That's our field. This is our team. You got you to gut it out out there. You leave it on the field. And today, man, I want to leave it on this, this 
turf right here. Every service, you leave it on there, and then you can go home, and you can rest. But you just heat it up and leave it on the field here. How much do we need that in life? How much do you and I need that? We're like, well, they need that in sports, and they need that in this arena, and, and over here in this sector. We need this in our world and in our homes. Bad. And it's not biblical or unbiblical. It's totally biblical. It's game time. We don't get any time to lose. Jesus could be coming back tomorrow. He could come back next week. You could die tomorrow. Your kids could die tomorrow. It's morbid thinking, but it causes me every day to say, I don't got tomorrow guaranteed. It's not locked in. Today's all I got. And I got to make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil, as it says in the scriptures. I was writing in my journal on November 11th, and I I wrote declarations to rehearse this morning before facing the day because I got to do this or you wouldn't like who I was. I'm dead serious. When I don't do this, you wouldn't like how I would show up in life. And so I I started writing some things out. I was created by God. I'm his idea, and he doesn't have bad ideas. I have a good life no matter what comes my way today. This is me at 6.30 in the morning spending time with God. Do you spend time with God in the morning and journal about it? It's critical. It sets your mindset to hide God's word in your heart. I might be hurt along the way today, but I have the ability to forgive and move on. How many of you need that one? Things aren't always perfect, but God's still good when life isn't. What I fear today doesn't have to determine how I see everything around me. There's so much more to be thankful for than to get mad at or sad about or kvetch about, right? I have sight, hearing, taste, feeling, and smell today, and that's praiseworthy. I've been given more than I deserve by God's grace. Even in my need, I am amply taken care of by my God. I have so many people who love me and want what's best for me. I have to tell myself that because I feel alone like nobody really is thinking about me or cares about me. Isn't that weird? Me. And I have the best life you can ever imagine. My brain is telling me nobody cares about you. Nobody thinks about you. You don't have anybody. Yes, I do. What are you talking about? Who are you talking to? Me. You. It's me, myself, and I. That's the war. And that's why I wrote the next one. People are generally good and not intent on screwing me over. That may not be true, but that's what I tell myself because that's what I believe. It helps me live better. Don't mess with my denial, right? When I try something and fail, I don't lose. I simply learn. I can't do anything more or less to make God love me more or less. He just loves me. There's no need to perform for approval today. I live from approval, not for it. I must live by faith and trust God even when I don't see reasons or results. We've got to train our brain. We've got to train our brain. I was going to the Y this week. I was asking people, how are you doing? It's amazing what comes out of their mouth. And a lot of times it's negative, but there's some positive things I heard. I have nothing to complain about. I love that one. Just somebody decided that day when people asked them, You had nothing to complain about. Another one is better than I deserve. Another said, live in the dream. And I think it was a little sarcastic, but yeah, could be worse. One guy I asked, how are you doing? He said, if I was any better, I'd be twins. And I was like, I don't, 
which afterward, I actually Googled it. What the heck does that mean? And it means you like your life so much, you wish there were two of you. And I'm like, there's not a lot of people I know that wish another one of them could be reproduced on this planet. I'm not just joking. And I, there's just some things that I've experienced frenzied excitement. Uh, as recently as three weeks ago, going to the prison and baptizing 65 prisoners that really are lifers, most of them in prison. And just seeing them baptized, declaring, and the excitement that they had and being able to pray over them. And all we are in, is in this sort of, this, I don't know, this four walls, there's no lights, there's no nothing, there's just music from a piano and these guys singing. And I remember at the end, we sang Power of Your Love and guys started chanting, Jesus, 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 Jesus. And we started just chanting this with all these prisoners. And I'm like, this is incredible. They are in prison. We're, being, we're baptizing guys behind bars and the joy is in this place. Amen. And they want my outside and I want their inside. Yeah. It's the same way when I went over to Swaziland for the first time back in 2011. This is me and uh, this first time I went over by myself, I just remembered, man, they want what I have and I want what they have. And maybe we can get in a relationship and we can supply what they need and they can supply what we need, which is just a huge infusion of joy yes. and contentment and gratitude and laughter. I remember seeing this site and I'm like, I, I just can't let that go on. I'm bringing this to my church and we're going to feed a whole orphanage, and we do that every year. We give every December so that we feed these kids because then they get up and sing. And see those two ladies in the back with the pots to feed them? Those are Timbale women. You've heard that. They make those bags out there for real, and all of what you buy, all the proceeds go directly to them to give them gainful employment, 120 of them, so they can feed 2,500 of these little kids over there, and we're synced up with them, and we think about them on the other side of the world because they've got this frenzy excitement where they eat up the ground they can't stand still and I'm like we need you and you need us yes. they got a word over there it's, it's called yebo and it means yes and you hear that all the time yes yebo 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 I just I th thought about a verse that I memorized back when I was early in um, youth ministry it was yes Lord walking in the way of your truth we eagerly wait for you for your name and your renown are the desire of our hearts. Yes, Lord. It isn't like, tell me the question, I'll, I'll let you know whether it's yes. It's God, the answer is yes, now you tell me the, the question. I want people to look at my life and see yes. I want to live a yes life is what I'm talking about today. I mean, do you ever get out with people and you just look at them and it's like, nope. <laughs> nope. Nope. And then you look at hope, 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 nope, hope, nope, 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 hope. I want my life to be hope. I want my life to be yes, not no, nope. And we can do this. Frenzied excitement, heat it up and then eat it up every day.
I want to show you a documentary of our team that went over and we sent over Cody and he got our own authentic footage of our team as they went over and I hope you can feel the story. It's done in documentary form so that you can go and take a trip over there and feel the heartbeat of these kids and these people that we love so much that we're given to this month. Check this out. 